On this prequel episode, we're learning about coming back wrong and previewing Pet Cemetery. Hello and welcome back to this film is lit, the podcast where we're talking about movies that are based on books. This is the prequel to the Pit Cemetery episode. Not a lot of notes about the movie for me in a minute yeah. uh, because it just came out and there's not like a wealth of <laughs> research that has been done on the production process and all that sort of thing. But we have a few things and Katie has a learning thing segment and we're going to get into that right now. It's what are we learning about coming back wrong? No matter what anybody tells you. Words and ideas can change the world. What does this mean, Katie? What does this topic uh, mean? All right. Well, I mean, a lot of times on learning things, we cover like pretty broad topics. Yes. Um, and that's on purpose. Like because, fantasy yeah. versus fairy tales. Um, or... It's on purpose partly because I want us to have enough stuff to continue moving forwards. Right. So we don't always get like super duper specific. Yeah. Um, but this week, we're going to zoom in on a pretty specific trope. And that trope is called Came Back Wrong. Yes. Uh, So a trope for anyone who doesn't know is a commonly recurring rhetorical device, motif, or cliche found in creative works. So it's something that you see all the time. Yeah. Um, And I'm taking my info here from TV Tropes. That's the most well-known resource on. Um, So which is a really interesting website, if a little bit hard to parse at times. Yeah. Um, so if you haven't ever checked out TV tropes, I highly recommend it. It's, it's a little bit really inside baseball. Um, yeah. But we mentioned it on uh, one of the prequel episodes a long, quite a while ago. Yeah, we've I've, we've mentioned it before. I've gotten stuff from there before. Now I can't remember what it was, but we did a thing. Oh, <laughs> uh, did it have something to do with uh, the uh, wallflowers? Or, or we um, might have pulled that. There yeah. was something where we looked at. I read tropes. Yes. And you guessed what they were. Yes. I don't remember what that was for. I think that was for The Perks of Being a Wallflower because we talked about uh, YA fiction. And I'm pretty sure we did like a... Yeah. Something like that. Anyways, so we've mentioned it uh, once before on a prequel episode. But anyways, yes, TV Tropes. It's it's a cool website. Yeah. Um, So this specific trope is uh, somewhat self-explanatory just from the name. Um, came back wrong. Yeah. Uh, it describes a plot wherein an attempt to bring someone or something, as in the case of Pet Cemetery, uh, back from the dead, but it goes horribly wrong and whatever comes back isn't who they were before. Yes. Um, so there are five variations on this trope. So I'm going to run through those um, real quick. Um, First one is soulless shell. Mm-hmm. So the person comes back, but without their soul. Right. Um, the next one is damaged soul. So the soul does come back, but it's in, been damaged in some way, um, possibly leading to like madness or depression or maybe some a little bit of evil going yeah. on. Right. Um, the third variation is monster from the beyond the veil. Um, this is where that person comes back as a demon or a monster of some sort, um, perhaps bent on destruction. Yes. Um, the fourth variation is inhuman human. So the soul comes back just fine, but the body is a mess, mm. um, maybe even technically still dead. Gotcha. And our fifth variation is called destination host unreachable. So 
With this trope, that's where it works, the body and the soul comes back, but due to that universe's rules, the resurrector and the resurrectee can't really exist on oh, the same plane. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So right. it's a, uh, that one's a, a little bit different from the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, so I have some notable examples. So yeah, I'm thinking of a ton. Yeah, already. there's a, it's a there's very a ton. It's trope. a very common trope. I just pulled a couple that I figured people would recognize. Yeah. Um, Buffy yeah. is a big one. Uh, Buffy plays with this trope quite a lot. Spoilers right here if you haven't seen Buffy. I don't know if you're gonna get into the specifics. But I was the, not. Okay. But okay, because I, I that's a big spoiler. To, I'm just saying yeah. we, don't, we don't have to. I just gonna say that's a big spoiler if we get into the specifics with the um, Buffy, but. But they, I will say that they do that both with vampires and non-vampire yeah. characters. Because um, one of the main traits of vampires in the Buffy universe is that they come back wrong. They come yeah. back without their souls. Yeah. Yes. Um, but they also do it with characters who are yes. not vampires. And that is spoilers. Yes, so we won't spoilers. get into that. Leave it there. Um, although it's been how long? It's since been how Buffy? long? It's so yes, long? I, you, should, you should watch Buffy. You should watch Buffy. It's great. Uh, Game of Thrones has quite a few examples from both the show and the books. Uh, some of the better known ones, I think, are uh, Khal Drogo mm-hmm. comes back as an empty shell. Yeah. Uh, the Mountain. Yeah. Has appeared. Has he seemingly come back as like a zombie of some uh, sort. Basically like a zombie. And now there's some, I guess, I can't remember if he was completely dead. He was only maybe mostly dead. <laughs> When you know what I mean, yeah, and mostly dead is still slightly alive. Yeah, as we all know. Um, <laughs> but uh, so they, that may be slight. But I, I also yeah. thought of him. I yeah. thought of the mountain. But I think I'm not just for the pedants out there. He might not. I can't right, remember exactly. Right, right. We have just rewatched it, but I don't remember if he was ever fully dead, or if he was like barely alive. And then you know, what's his meister? What's or well, yeah, meister. But yeah. Um, and then of course all the whites. Yeah, all the White Walkers. Yeah, yeah. the White Walkers. Um, well, not yes, not the White Walkers, the Whites. Yeah, the Whites. Yeah, the, the, all the humans. The, the humans and the wildlings and everybody who was killed and then resurrected. Yes, and they come back uh, as uh, monsters from beyond the veil. Yes. Yeah, that seems right to me. Yeah. Um, also, with a little bit of inhuman human, since their bodies are still like super damaged. Yeah, I guess maybe I misread or misremembered what... Yeah, kind of like a, a combination. Yeah, of kind those of both because they are yeah. like not just a monster; they're they're human bodies, but they're like zombie versions yeah. of their human bodies, yeah. kind of. Uh, Doctor Who also plays with and subverts this trope. Mm-hmm. Um, one example is in season one when Rose resurrects Captain Jack. Yep. Um, but she overdoes it and makes him effectively immortal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and to clarify, season one of the yeah rebooted the, of the rebooted series. Yeah. Um, the entire premise of the show Pushing Daisies is built around which this I've trope. heard is great. We need to watch that. Yeah, sometime. I've heard I've it's heard great it's really too. Good. Um, but yeah, that's basically the entire premise, from what I understand. Yeah. Um, season one of The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina shows us how this might work in universe for a witch, but definitely not for a mortal. Yeah. As we find out. Yes. We won't tell you no, who that's in case spoilers, you haven't yeah. watched it. I, and that's it. Well, I also recommend that season yeah. two just came out. And as soon as we're done rewatching Game of Thrones, we're about to jump back into Sabrina. Yeah, so. that was um, an excellent season of TV. Yeah. Um, Harry Potter mm-hmm. also touches on this idea through the tale of the three brothers yeah. and the resurrection stone. Yes, it does. The brother that brings back his dead lover. She's yeah. not quite. 
She's not quite there. There. She's sort of a soulless shell or or damaged soul, one of the two. I can see it kind of being both. Um, I can also see that being destination host unreachable. Yeah. Because they, like, she's there, but she's not really there. They can't interact. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. But he can, like, talk to her, can't he? I don't know. That's the, I mean, it's vague yeah. enough in the... Yeah, it's, it's vague, vague enough. enough we don't really have the particulars. Yeah. yeah. Um, did you have any other examples off the top of your um, head you wanted to add? Because no, there's a most, ton. No, that, there are a ton. That was most of them. Um, it's another Game of Thrones spoiler. I think this one's obvious and anybody who's... It's a Game of Thrones spoiler. Uh, I just we'll have to mention it specifically because I want to mm-hmm. talk about it in relation to the sort of different categories. Um in the instance of skip ahead about 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this spoiler for season <laughs> six of Game of Thrones. When Jon Snow comes back to life, mm-hmm. uh, he's not any of those things that we know. I would call that a subversion of this yeah, trope. Yeah, that's kind of what yeah, I was... Yeah, because he comes back, but... And he's fine. At least seemingly, for, so far, as far yeah. as we know, he seems fine. Yeah. He's maybe like a little more broody. Yeah, well, no, not even more broody. I think he's he's just yeah. It, it's created a, a a character change, but I don't think it's a, a, a result of being brought brought back to life right. by like the process of it. But so much as what he's learned by yeah. being murdered yeah. by people and then coming back to life, yeah. like it's it's just more of like character growth as any event would cause in your life. <laughs> His just happens to be being dead and come back to life. Right. So, yeah. No. At, at least for as far as we have seen, yeah. I would call that a subversion because it doesn't seem to have really affected him. Um, So one thing that I think is kind of fun to do with tropes is to think about why they're so prevalent in our stories. Like, why do we keep exploring this specific thing? Because this is a pretty specific thing. It is a very specific thing, yeah. Um, And I think for this particular trope, it's an obvious exploration of a really tough topic. Yeah. Like the horrors of death and yeah. how we deal with that. It is one of the most universal um, human experiences. Yeah. Uh, and one of the most universal human uh, desires, I would mm-hmm. I would imagine, to, to, you know, to be able to bring a loved one or somebody back after they pass away is it, it, it's understandable that it is so widespread, even yeah. though it is very specific. Yeah. It's one of those things that's just universal um, and, and in a very primal like. It's one of the, you know, one of the most painful things. Yeah. So it drives a lot of. And it's very primal. It drives a lot of primal emotion. Yeah. I think. Um, And I think these stories kind of function not quite as a cautionary tale, but you could argue it as a cautionary tale. I would argue a little bit, yeah. Um, But kind of like putting forth the message that like death is a natural part of the life cycle and we have to learn to deal with it because we can't bring people back. And if we try to, we will garner even worse results. Yep. Unless they are. Unless they're they are Prince Snow. that was promised. Spoilers. <laughs> or the king that was. Yeah, the prince that was promised. Ugh, all his titles. All right, so I do have some homework. Yeah. Um, I have not finished reading Pet Cemetery, although I think I suspect what variation it might lean into. Um, But if you're reading along with us, if you're watching along with us, um, I want to talk about on the main episode, maybe what variation of this trope um, we find in Pet Cemetery. One or more, maybe a combination of some. Um, 
So soulless shell, damaged soul, monster from beyond the veil, inhuman human, or in feline feline, as it were. Yeah. Um, and uh, destination host unreachable. That's not. It's not going to be that one. Yeah, I don't think Based it's going to be that the one. The whole premise of what <laughs> is going on. I'm going to go out on a limb and say one destination of the first host four yeah. or more, maybe. Yeah, a combination thereof. <laughs> and I think on top of that, it would be interesting to discuss what it uses this trope for. Like what? Yeah. Why? What is what the message is mm-hmm. in relation to this trope yeah. within this given story? So, cool, great homework, fun little learning thing segment. Let's move on to Pet Cemetery book facts. It was a myth. Kids used to dare each other go into the woods at night. They knew the power of that place. feared it those woods belong to something else all right pet cemetery is a 1983 horror novel by the one the only stephen king who is now a repeat author for us yep repeat offender yep um, in 1979, King was a writer in residence at the University of Maine, um, because when you get big enough, you get to be the writer in residence at yep. various places. Um, and the house he was renting while he was doing that was adjacent to a major road where dogs and cats were often killed by mm-hmm. oncoming trucks. Uh, so basically the premise of the book. Um, uh, after his daughter's cat was killed by a truck along that road, he had to, you know, explain the death to his daughter. They buried the cat. Um, a couple days later, King started to imagine what would happen if a family were to suffer the same tragedy, but the cat came back wrong. There you go. Um, he also considers the story a retelling of sorts of the monkey's paw, which is a 1902 short story by W.W. W. Jacobs. I've heard of You probably had to read it in school. Yeah, it sounds familiar. Um, it's about parents whose son resurrects after they wish that that would happen. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, the book was also adapted into a film in 1989, yes. which I've never seen. Me neither. Um, that was one of my notes. So now I have even less. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Uh, it was also adapted as a radio play in 1997. Hmm. Hmm. Know that. Um, the novel was nominated for a World Fantasy Award for Best Novel in 1984. However, it did not win. It won out to something that I didn't write down, but I didn't recognize the name of it. So who really won? It lost to, you mean? Yeah, it lost yeah. to. Um, and my last very terrifying note is that King has gone on record stating that of all the novels he's written... Pet Cemetery is the one which genuinely scared him the most. So super looking forward to finishing this book. Fantastic. Real psyched, you guys. <laughs> well, all right. Those are your Pet Cemetery book facts. Now let's talk about Pet Cemetery, the 2019 film. The ground is bad. Maybe just some crazy folk tale. But there is something up in those woods. There's something. The 
sometimes dead is better. All right, we're going to talk about the movie real quick. I have the what won that award in 1984. It was a book called The Dragon Waiting by John M. Ford. Fun little note, also nominated that year, was George R. R. Martin for The Armageddon Rag, hmm. which I don't know what that is. Yeah, I've never heard of that. Mystery, 1983 mystery fantasy novel by American author George R. R. Martin. Anyways, all right. <laughs> I just wanted to look up and so <laughs> anybody wondering what won that year. I, I've never heard of that either. So, All right. This is a 2019 film directed by Kevin Jolsch and Dennis Widmeyer. Uh, I believe they're Belgian filmmakers. Hmm. Um, it was written and direct. Uh, they both wrote and directed a film together called Starry Eyes. I've never heard of it, and they have not done much else apart from that. Uh, that, that, I, that or at least notable that was like their top credit um this one was written by jeff bueller who wrote midnight meat train which is a movie like a horror movie with uh, uh bradley cooper in it from mm-hmm. like a while ago uh the prodigy and they wrote on a sci-fi original tv show called night flyers which i have not seen any of these projects um it stars Jason Clark, who you probably most know from maybe Zero Dark Thirty, but he was also in Everest and Dawn of the Planet of the Apes, as well as a handful of other things. But uh, he's the main character. He plays like the father mm-hmm. of the family or whatever. Amy Simitz, or Simitz, uh, who is in the Girlfriend Experience uh, television series on Stars, the Stars Network, which is based on the Steven Soderbergh film of the same name. Uh, this TV show is supposed to be really good. I haven't. It's about like a, a, mm-hmm. a high. And escort or something like that. Interesting. Yeah. Um, The original movie starred an actual pornographic actress in the main role. It was very controversial at the time when it came out. That does sound controversial. (laughs) I feel Um, like that would still be controversial. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the movie wasn't that long ago. (laughs) The movie came out in like 2012 or something. Like it wasn't that long ago, but they remade it as a TV series and apparently it's pretty good. Uh, And that she's the main character in that. And then John Lithgow is the other top build actor and he's in everything. Uh, He's John Lithgow, but uh, third rock from the sun TV show. He's in interstellar. He was in cliffhanger, hundreds of other things or a hundred or so other things. He's in a ton of stuff. Um, This is the second adaptation of the novel. As you mentioned, first was 1989. I haven't seen it. I have not. I I know nothing of it. I have not seen a trailer for this movie. I've seen one trailer for this. I know literally nothing about this other than pets come back to life. That's the movie. Like, that's the story. Like, I, I know I it just it's, it's one of those things that I've culturally missed out on other than yeah. just sort of the vague idea of what it is. Um, and uh, so that's like all the interesting. It's not even interesting. That's just like the basic. I could not find anything about this movie. Yeah. And when I started looking through like the IMDb, like facts and stuff it was all like spoilers so i stopped because i was like I don't, it was like in the novel this happens but in this movie then i'm like okay oh, yeah, well, i can't have that can't read these great <laughs> so i had to skip over that um so uh, but the, the other kind of two things that are that are interesting is that so far it's grossed 25 million dollars domestically and 42 million worldwide and that's against a budget of just 21 million dollars because they make these horror movies for nothing. Yeah. Horror movies are like the only other, other than like big budget blockbuster, like superhero movies. They're like the other profitable theater hmm. uh, projects because you can make them for nothing. I mean, again, the writers and directors, the writer and directors that they got for this have not really done much. They're not right. paying like big name directors to come in. Um, you know, and it's kind of their, their model. Uh, uh, what you may call uh, does it really well. Um, who's done a lot of, uh, horror movies recently now i'm blanking on the studio's name but uh there's one studio in particular this it's not who did this paramount did this one 
one studio has done a, a lot of really successful low budget horror films that are all pretty good. Like mm-hmm. in the last like ten years, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of that production company. Anyways, um, so yeah, it's made double its budget back, so it's it's doing great. Uh, and it has a sixty percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which I think is about where the first one is sitting as well. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, it's sitting kind of in the same ballpark in terms of what critics think of it. Like I said, I've never seen it. I don't know nothing about it. Um, I'm interested. I don't. I'm not a big horror movie. I, I guess this, this is a good place to preface this. I don't know if we've done a pure horror movie yet. Like this is just like a horror no, movie. No, we haven't. Now, Pet Cemetery might be a little different in the sense that it's a little sillier than like. At least it seems to me like it might be sillier than like, I don't know, some don't other know. horror movies, but maybe that's not. There's like pets dying. I might cry. Right. I, I Like I get that part. I just mean like once they're back, I I could find it silly. I don't know. Maybe, we'll see. Yeah. I, we'll I might see. not. I might not. Um, I'm really interested to see that, uh, but I'm not a big horror movie person. I am. We are going to go see Us. I want to see Us really bad. Um, but in general, it's not like my genre. I think I've mentioned yeah, that it's, before. Yeah, it's not really my genre either. Yeah. But I'm, I'm interested to branch a little more yeah. out into that. Yeah, yeah, I think it'll be interesting. So I'm excited to see it. Uh, we're going this Sunday to the theaters. Yeah. So go check it out. And then next Tuesday, come back for our discussion on Stephen King's Pet Cemetery. Until that time, you can find us on all the social media. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, or anywhere else you download our bur- lovely podcast. I almost said brilliant. And it was very, uh, almost, I was almost very uh, not humble. Sort of. <laughs> Man, blanking. Uh, it's been a long day. <laughs> Monday, so. Uh, and until that time, guys, gals, non-binary, and everybody else. Keep reading books. Keep watching movies. And, and keep, keep being, being awesome. awesome.